I think we are we're live. Excellent. Uh, I was live five minutes ago without you. This is my first time. <laughs> I've used Jitsi before, but I never tried to stream from it uh, on YouTube. Oh, um, sure. So this, uh, yeah, a little background for the audience. We were we typically use Google to do our uh, live streaming, and then uh, you know it it works with YouTube pretty seamlessly. So it's it's pretty easy to do. It's pretty convenient. I think is is the key word. And uh, that's kind of one of the topics for today. It's kind of this uh, this balance of convenience uh, versus you know privacy and security. Um, I'll introduce Todd, but I'm sure he'll get into it a little bit more on how that's kind of really what maybe the fundamental problem is that you're trying to overcome uh, in building technology that will provide people the privacy and security that they need, even if they don't real some of them realize it and trying to overcome these convenience issues where uh, you have these these uh, large tech companies like Facebook and Apple and Google that make everything so easy, mm. but uh, you don't realize that you're giving up quite a bit for that convenience. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, uh, if Todd, if you want to just Todd Weaver of Purism, yes. um, I have a ton of things to talk about, okay. but I know I don't, I don't want it to go on too long because I want to make sure we get to the focus, which is I'd love to kind of get into a little bit of I don't, I don't know if we call it a rumor or if it's an actual thing of Monero possibly being integrated into Librem. I know you guys had mm -hmm. posted about that about a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I would this being Monero chat, mm -hmm. uh, Monero talk, I'm sorry. I would mm -hmm. definitely like to get into that uh, if we can. But uh, sure. if you want to go yeah. ahead and introduce yourself and if you can just kind of give a quick overview of what Pure purism is and kind of what the goals of that project are. Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Todd Weaver. I'm the founder of purism and it actually started in 2014. And really what this was around is uh, trying to solve the problems of big tech and what they are doing to society. So it's really around a overall digital civil rights movement. And what really made me look to start purism was actually around this convenience versus control story. And having two young daughters and looking at the future of devices and the future of computing and the future of services where big tech corporations are gaining more and more data and really exploiting society uh, that I knew I had to solve that problem. And so the best way for me to look to solve that was create a business model that allowed us to do that. So the short of that, it's pretty simple, is that we actually formed as what's called a social purpose company. And so we're not like the C corporations that big tech and the tech giants that everybody dislikes. Uh, and instead we're a social purpose company, which means we advance our social good over maximizing profit. And so that means when we make a decision, we're actually looking at a decision that's going to benefit society as opposed to benefit our pocketbook first. And so what that ends up doing is creates a systemic change for all of the decisions that we get to make. So our overall business model by being a social purpose company is actually looking very much like portions of Google or portions of Apple in the sense that we sell hardware, which is our Librem hardware. We have an operating system called PureOS, which is Free Software Foundation endorsed. We distribute applications uh, that are also ethical, meaning they don't track you and they uh, are freedom respecting, which means they respect your privacy and are also secure. And then we also are going to be launching uh, here in the next handful of months, first part of 2019, a services bundle 
That's also that's going to be called liberty. And what you can imagine there is then we can provide a device that we can just hand to somebody. And then that device we hand to them says, this is one that avoids big tech, but allows you to still participate in digital society. And so those are things such as video conferencing tools, right? Uh, um, audio calling, right? SMS messaging. So the Librem 5 phone that you're bringing up as a topic um, is a phone that's not going to be Android nor iOS. It's going to be a 5.7 inch phone that allows uh, to run pure OS, all of the ethical applications that are continuing to be written on by the active developer community that we have. So that's uh, sort of where we are now. And obviously I can move on to the topic around Monero, which obviously is a, uh, an exciting yeah, let's, area. Let's yeah, let's wait to get to that for a little bit, just okay. to get a little bit deeper into. So, when did Purism? When did you guys first uh, launch? When, when were you able to buy a Purism laptop? Well, we actually ran a crowdfunding campaign to say, uh, and part of this was to establish, you know, to prove that there's market demand for what we're intending to do. So, in 2014, late 2014, we launched a crowdfunding campaign to create a Librem 15 which is a 15-inch laptop. The point of that was because to solve this problem of uh, this systemic reach of big tech, we actually have to manufacture hardware because, you know, it's sort of in the game of privacy or in the game of security or in the game of freedom, it's actually a game of depth. So when you think about, uh, uh, you know, if you were to ask me, hey, I'd like to hack into WhatsApp's encryption, I would say, well, it's pretty simple. You just go a level lower and you get access to Android. You have access to everything above it. And so what you start to realize by, you know, digging deeper and deeper and deeper in the privacy and security and freedom aspect, which all relates to, to digital civil rights, it's, it's all around control. And so what that means is that these big tech corporations have too much control over society. You're actually renting your phone. You don't own it. And so what we have to do to be able to solve that problem is manufacture hardware that at the foundation level respects people. And then we can add software and services and, and applications on top of that. So that was the entire reason for starting Purism and the path we did. Part of this overall goal of the business model was to start with laptops, then move to a 13-inch laptop, and then move to a phone device, because by then we have, you know, built up the credibility that, hey, we've been shipping phones or uh, laptops, excuse me, for a number of years. And we're on the version three right now of our laptop. So when we actually are talking about building a phone from scratch, uh, that everybody understands that we can do it. So, I mean, this is such a tremendous undertaking. If I, if I would have uh, ran into the project when you guys were first launching it and uh, doing that Kickstarter campaign, I, I, honestly, I mean, I'm not sure I would have believed it would have been possible. Um, yeah. But the fact that you guys actually have the product already out there and uh, it works is just a tremendous feat. Yeah. Um, so what was involved? I mean, and, you know, how, how did you create this effectively private secure is it fair to call it an open source hardware laptop like how does uh, well, one even yeah it, i mean of course i avoid that the term open source because it does carry with it less of the overall civil rights movement around this right um because it, it's not just the source codes released it actually carries with it the freedoms that you uh, advance but it is fair to say that the uh that all of the source code is released and also on the the like the development kit that we're 
shipping here in the next month. We're actually getting releasing the schematics uh, for the phone, the Librem 5 phone. We're also going to release the schematics. So you can imagine from having the schematics to be able to confirm and have third parties verify that there's not any malicious hardware added to it. And then having all the operating system and all the boot firmware released, which means that third parties can verify that those operate in the best interest. And we're also advancing with what's called reproducible builds. And so uh, this gets to the point where Purism, as a company, has no control over the user. We don't have master keys for signing the BIOS. We don't have master keys for signing the uh, software. We don't uh, require you to have a Purism account to set up a device, right? So these are things that uh, are establishing from a digital rights movement that we say we adhere to and we're advancing. And the whole point of it all is to say it's about convenience. And so if you think about like in the future, if you have a choice of our phone, which means you're in complete control, or you have a Google phone that uh, Google is in control of, or you have an Apple phone that you're renting, right? And Apple has complete control over it. Given those, if they were all other things being equal, of course people would choose the phone that they control. It's just there's no there's no convenient alternative right now, and that's the convenience, the overriding factor to to address constantly. Right? We have to address how to make something convenient because otherwise we will lose the war. So as as the computer stands today, I mean, I'm sure obviously, uh, you know, Fluffy always talks about this, how like, uh, you know, privacy and security, it, it's not something you just you, you win and walk away from. It's a constant battle. Um, but as purism stands today and the laptop stands today, you know, how how secure and private is it? I mean, obviously not every component uh, has been made and verified by you guys, you're, you're sourcing your, your hardware from places. Yep. So what, what is the level of security and privacy? And, and I guess, how are we verifying these things? So uh, on our laptops today, uh, nearly everything. So this is a game of depth, right? So uh, at the operating system, applications and operating system level, everything is completely liberated. All the source codes released and it's all free software. So it completely respects your freedoms. It's actually free software foundation endorsed even. Okay. So it's a significant advantage. Uh, when you were talking about reproducible builds, and that's one thing that, that I brought up earlier, that's an area that doesn't mean you have to download the source code and look at every line. What that means is that Purism can publish our hashes. Debian can publish their hashes. Free software foundation can publish their hashes, et cetera. And we can end up confirming that cryptographically that that binary hasn't been maliciously modified. So that means no malware inserted, et cetera. And so then you go a level lower, right? Which is like, okay, where are we at with the boot firmware? Well, our boot firmware is core boot. It's all free software. The source code's all released, right? So in that case, uh, that's a huge advancement again towards, because at the, the foundation of all things privacy and security is freedoms and our civil rights, right? So we need to make sure we adhere to those. So we can't just say, oh, the source code's available, or we can't just say, oh, the um, it doesn't, uh, you know, just back you, right? There's there's a lot more that goes into it. So on the hardware side, right, you go, once you get to the boot firmware, you go down to the hardware level, which means by controlling the design where we can select individual chips that only run with 
liberated software. So we don't include any binaries in anything beyond what's called the Intel management engine. So that is down at the very lowest level. We do disable it and neutralize it, but it does require one small, very small neutralized binary to at least power on the machine, the laptop. So that's the last remaining piece, which is a low level firmware binary that we believe that we're already okay with, but we're submitting that to like Free Software Foundation, a few others to confirm. Well, if they confirm it, then we are completely liberated on the laptop side. On the phone, the Librem 5 phone, it's already 100% liberated, which means there's no, no mystery code, no binaries. So in that case, it means from the schematic can be verified, the hardware design, operating system, boot firmware, all applications, et cetera, can operate in your best interest. So how about something like that we saw recently, the uh, the super, super micro motherboard hack, mm-hmm. um, where it was essentially a very, uh, you know, they're describing it as something the size of a piece of, of rice that was found on the motherboards um, and were basically used to essentially hack the hardware, right? And then kind of communicate back to the mothership wherever that was um yep, that's right. so is that something that would now become uh harder to a hack like that would is is that something that yeah, absolutely so, that so this is when, when you vulnerable about, to uh well i think that you can't ever say anything's 100 percent, and that's one of the challenges mm-hmm. right but when people understand the math behind it and we say you know that what we're doing is we're mitigating all of those risks because we control the supply chain So if you look at it, if you think about it from a software standpoint, the same philosophy applies to hardware in case of supply chain. So in the case of software, if you can see the source code and you can compile it yourself and then you can confirm that your hashes, your your, uh, cryptographic measurement matches somebody else's cryptographic measurement, right? And you say, hey, that's, that's an okay, right, to run piece of software. The same can occur on hardware. By releasing the schematic, then anybody can confirm that the hardware they got is uh, does match, right? All the routes match and all the capacitors match and everything else. And so in that case, you can confirm that. The other piece that we can also do by, by being that, uh, you know, available with information and that transparent is then we can also take high-res images of the layers and high-res images of the actual motherboard and then share those. So then if somebody wants to, they can compare what those are. And so in that case, the speculation of an additional chip being added in the supply chain um, can be removed. It's not a speculation any longer. It can actually be tested and verified. So that verification piece is the last bit. So rather than what happens with all big tech is it's always a trust us, you're going to be okay. Uh, And of course, time and time again, it's been proven that, well, we can't actually trust you. And the erosion of trust with society is well on its way to that society doesn't trust anything that's coming from any of the tech giants any longer, right? There's always a question of doubt, but what they're missing is this convenient alternative. So what we say in the other, on the flip side of that is to say, well, we're a social purpose company, so you can trust us. However, you don't even have to trust us. You can also verify all of our claims. And so that doesn't mean you as an individual probably download all of our source code, but society and developers and other parties can re- do reproducible builds. And you can cryptographically confirm all of our statements. Right. So that's where the, um, you know, when you're talking about hardware, secure wallets or things like that, it's really important to verify the supply chain. And then the other aspect that's really important 
is controlling the actual supply chain. Where are the parts? Where are they inventoried? How are they manufactured? Where are they manufactured? These are all things that are under Purism's control. And with our Librem 5 phone, the entire process is in-house from schematic all the way through uh, shipping to the end user, right, to the operating system and customer support. So by having all of those pieces under control of an organization that cares about your civil rights, it's a it's an important uh, piece of trust. And then we also relinquish everything to say, you can also verify it. So it's a very, very strong story that tech giants will not be able to compete with anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really very similar to what we see in Monero and Bitcoin or I guess any other open source project. It's uh, you're giving the ability of, for the community to kind of open up, look under the hood, take a look. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I, you know, I would, would potentially do that because I don't have the know-how, but Mm -hmm. instead of trusting a company, I'm trusting other community members uh, who Mm -hmm. have maybe, who maybe have that skill set that went in, looked at it, verified it and said, Hey, it looks, this looks good to me, which is you know something that we're constantly dealing with in crypto, because I mean, there's only so many guys that actually understand, uh, you know, things on a protocol level and a a cryptographic level. So it's, it's interesting because people talk about how trust is eliminated and and there isn't a complete elimination of trust. You're still kind of trusting, uh, the community members, that are doing the vetting for you. There's, mm-hmm. You're never going to be but, able to completely eliminate things unless, I guess, everybody has all the knowledge themselves. But Yeah, but there's a couple of important pieces that are also really strong about why uh, having free software where the source code is available, that it's not just that, say, if you have three people that it's on your team that are like, hey, these, you know, this is the experts. By having it be released, then other parties can come to the table later as opposed to proprietary systems where you can only ever trust them and you have no idea and nobody can ever come back in and verify these claims. So by having it released, and even though you might have to put your trust in a small group of individuals, that those small group of individuals can grow or change and it doesn't it, because all of the information is liberated. Mm-hmm. And that's such an important piece behind uh, you know, what basically cryptocurrencies are, right, is carry your own bank with you, right? And so if you're talking about carrying your own bank with you, you need to trust the software, you need to trust the overall system, but the ability to verify it is one important step. But then I'll also add one really amazing thing about free software where the source code is available compared to proprietary systems is that reproducible builds. And this is an area that I don't think gets enough attention And this is an area where you, as an individual, who don't necessarily even need to know how to code or look at software, you can still download and compile all of the the code without, just like a single button click, basically. And then what you can do is you can even, you could spot check, but there can also be code around this to confirm that your build that you have in your system matches what is somebody else's build, like from the Free Software Foundation or from Purism. And so when we publish all the hashes and you download and confirm those hashes by building from source, then you know that there's no malicious uh, software added to it. And that's a really strong story that only free software can actually accomplish. Proprietary systems could never do that. Mm -hmm. So from a security standpoint, it's really amazing from a uh, a privacy standpoint, it's also really amazing. And that's an area that 
uh, you know, is one of the one of the key pieces behind our excitement around Monero. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so are you seeing um, this community then kind of forming around purism? Have has it have people been kind of tuning in and verifying and stepping in and and looking under the hood for you guys? Yeah. So the, yeah. So this is some areas that are have been really fascinating because I mean we've been growing very rapidly, uh, but. If even from the schematics standpoint, right? So you think of like the lowest level aspect of, of a device. Uh, we have community members who have stepped forward to get involved in the schematic review process for the Libra 5 phone specifically. Uh, and then uh, once we actually release those to the public, then it's going to be under more uh, um, scrutiny, which of course we release once we actually fabricate the device because you need to release a schematic once you actually have that done. And then on the operating system side, right? We have hundreds of active community members working on the uh, operating system and applications. And especially around the Librem 5 phone that we need to have, you know, more and more applications. This is an area around convenience. So right, we promise to deliver five applications for our phone, the core applications, you know, like make a phone call, message, email, browser, uh, you know, uh, video chat, voice chat. Those are things that are all going to be built in. However, a lot of other applications are starting to be written even many months before the phone is actually getting in the hands of those uh, the community. So it's a it's a growing uh, audience for sure. In in right now in the hundreds, and we expect that to be once our development kits get in the hands, and then we're shipping about three hundred and fifty development kits, and then many thousands of phones that that community will really continue to to grow. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> maybe this is kind of a you know something that's step in the wrong direction given you know the current ecosystem uh where you know we had all these icos and things right and uh uh tokenization of everything and a lot of it's been uh, a misuse of the technology and the purposes and people just kind of taking advantage and doing pump and dumps uh but one interesting project was uh, i'm sure you're aware of it is bisc the decentralized exchange and I think what they're doing is kind of interesting on how they're uh, coming up with their own token to kind of um, fuel the ecosystem so people participate. Is that something purism would ever think about? Kind of a way to um, get, you know, to to kind of create this incentive um, to participate in your open source project here? Where they so yeah, I mean, not in the sense of of uh, you know utilizing blockchain or crypto uh, behind the scenes for it, but related is what what we call gamification. And so what that is is that's making it convenient for developers to develop applications and then see oh I see if I just release under a free software license, mm -hmm. then you know that would be a you know I get a badge and it allows me to be included in Pure Store. Which means it'll be allowed to be involved, uh, in, installed on the Librem Five phone. This is an area that we're working with Monero on, as an example. And then the other piece, it would be like, oh, okay, cool. It can be uh, reproducibly built. That's another badge, and then you can you can move on through like the application. You can end up getting these five badges, which means it's security. You know, it's secure, privacy respecting, follows the human interface guidelines, which means it looks good, and then it's convenient. Okay, now it you know can be added as this as this default application. Mm -hmm. So there's already a giant uh, audience and you know developer community around this whole 
free software movement of what the benefits are of releasing this and from a society standpoint. But the areas that we're really trying to push in the in the community is around this convenience story. Because as you can imagine, what are we competing against is, you know, in our case, if you break it down as simple as possible, we're competing against Google on their hardware side, Google on their operating system side, Google on their app store side, and Google on their services side. And the same for Apple, hardware, software, services, and app store. And Purism creates all of those same things with the exception of services coming out soon. And so we can actually con compete on the convenience nature. Whereas really most everything else, and you probably imagine this from crypto, is how do you get user adoption, right? And I'll get to that when you start asking me questions about Monero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost there. The, so the, the business model, um, because I mean, I know you guys are uh, a socially conscious company here and uh for the most part you, you know you're trying to keep everything open you know everything open source like we're talking about even the, the hardware uh but there's obviously you know there's reasons why things like patents exist right because it, it gives uh companies the motivation to go out and and do some heavy lifting and r d and in return they essentially have a monopoly on, on that difficult work that they did uh so, I mean, with you guys doing all this heavy lifting and essentially, you know, building, a, you know, um, a computing company from scratch, um, then you just go and give that all away. I mean, how is that? How is that then work from a business model standpoint? It's a, such a great question. And it does get a little bit in the weeds, but I'm going to try and keep it simple. Is that uh, releasing the schematics doesn't mean that you can then go make the phone. Okay. What that means is that you can then just see the routes and traces that go into the motherboard, and then you have to get the you know device and open it up, and you can just match those two. There's actually one piece in the middle, which is called design files or Gerber files. And that's actually the process of what you put into the PCB fabrication machines and the pick and place machines that actually make the device. Okay. That is something that we retain. And the reason we retain it is that actually the only value it provides is a competition to make identical devices. So it actually doesn't help anything from a verification process or a security story. So what we do is we release the things that are beneficial to society from all the security, freedom, right, digital rights aspect. And then we retain the one bit that allows us to have a competitive advantage so that all the money it took to invest in the software, hardware, and everything else, we get to recoup by people purchasing our hardware, right? And so that is that is a very simple business model, but you have to understand what schematics mean in the ecosystem and understand what hardware design files mean and also what the end product means and how you get there. So that allows us to recoup the upfront investment. Uh, and then of course, what we can do is, you know, as we get to let's say version two and then version three, we are considering releasing our version one once we get to like version three, meaning the design file. So somebody could 3D print those devices because then it's not a, you know, it's not a value to us any longer we, because people are going to be wanting to purchase the latest, greatest thing from us. So that's sort of how we can break that down simply. There's a lot more to it, but I, I don't, Okay, but it's it's something you guys have essentially it seems like seemingly figured out in terms of exactly. being able to balance yep. those things. Um, is that the long term vision essentially? Like where you know it's like you build your phone at home, build your computer at home uh, with a three D printer. Is that something that you guys are thinking about as one day being uh, practical? Um, there's there's a lot of complexities in hardware. Hardware advances very very rapidly. So the 
The short answer is yes, but what you would be able to 3D print at home is going to be an older version because, you know, the chips you'd have to buy and, you know, it's, you know, printing your own CPU, that's still a ways off, right? So, so, um, so things like that. Uh, but, you know, what you're doing is you're just doing more and more of it. So right. you could 3D maybe, you know, when you're at home 3D, you could print your PCB and then maybe hand place some of the extra components, right? Um, there's So it just allows for the overall... Uh, transparency of what's available right the the related question to that is kind of like where things are going in the future right and this is a topic that i discuss a lot and this kind of highlights the issues of convenience and control right is that devices are getting more and more attached to us as humans right so laptop you could leave your you know leave and come back to but a phone you pretty much carry everywhere and then you have wearable devices now and you have IoT devices now. And as you can imagine, these things are going to become pretty soon surgically implanted, which we already have for certain things like, you know, pacemakers, et cetera. But there'll be more surgically implanted augmenting devices. And you can imagine that the point in the future when you have to choose a brain embeddable that can read and write the electrical signals to your brain, you know, would you want that to come from Google <laughs> or from Apple or from where you get to control your own brain? such as a company who's socially conscious of saying, hey, we don't control any aspect of anything you do. You get to have complete control. That's entirely what, what the future is about, is making sure that individuals have complete control of their technology. Because it's, it's, one, it's one way or the other, right? It's either you control the device or the device controls you, which is powered by those tech giants. Yeah, this so is... That, a Sorry, to, but yeah, this is really where I see Monero and Purism uh, intersecting and sharing kind of these cypherpunk ideals uh, where both communities see that there's this uh, war, you know, battle battle lines are being drawn right now, right? Between uh, these major tech companies and then this open source decentralized movement uh, where we're, you know, trying to prevent this kind of dystopian future where nobody owns any of their data. Um, so I guess, I guess we could try to get it now into the, to how the Monero sure. ties in, or sure. I, I actually, also, I also want to know, I guess what your background is. Are you, do you come from the cypherpunk community or is it, uh, are these things that you have always cared about? Is that a community you, you've been a part of? I mean, cause it certainly sounds like, uh, you're, you're a driver in that, in that area. Yeah. So, um, so yes, I've been involved overall in, you know, in, let's say, the, the bigger movement, um, uh, you know, since, well, the 90s, <laughs> if that doesn't date me. So, um, yeah, so, you know, but for me, it actually came from setting up servers, right, that initially was like, wow, these Sun Microsystem servers are wickedly expensive. Uh, what are my alternatives? And so it was actually price that made me initially start to consider like, you know, where are we at? What is this? And then I saw, oh, wow, there's this, you know, Linux kernel. And what is this thing? Debian, right? Wow, this looks really awesome. And then I looked into all the different distros and what the advantages are, disadvantages, and started to learn more about this movement. So yes, from the, you know, from the, you know, mid nineties or so was when I was really starting to uh, learn an awful lot more about it. Then since then, of course, I've you know uh, been involved from a tech technology standpoint. This is hardware and software, um, and built many, many hundreds of thousands of 
computers that are installed, uh, me digital media players that are installed in a lot of retail places you'd go are devices I built. Uh, and so understanding the supply chain on the hardware, uh, ethics of software, what free software actually means from an overall movement standpoint, uh, and then you know continue to just uh, evolve that. Then um, a big piece for me was, you know I've always been willing to give up my convenience for my control, right? To say, I'm going to retain my rights and I'm going to go out of my way to do so. But a big piece, as I mentioned in the early part of the call here, was that by having two daughters, then I realized there's a, there's a mental shift, right? When you become a parent, which is to say, oh, wait, I now am going to try to have this person participate in society that I would like, you know, to help steer. And being a good steward for, you know, a child means the same thing of being a good steward for society. And I then realized I would like to build the society that they should participate in. Um, and so that was where the, the entire creation of combining all these things of hardware, supply chain, software, and my very strict belief in digital rights that, uh, that we, I could clearly define what Purism needed to be. That's great. And then the other members of your team, are they also coming from similar backgrounds yeah. or some of them just specialize or you just need them for their abilities and they're not so much into the privacy and security thing? Or is it it's kind of like everybody's uh, on board with the uh, the philosophies of the company as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and I'm going to say that because of the way in which we interview and accept applicants, so we actually just post a job. Uh, on our website. We say, this is what we're interested in. And we get a flood of applicants, which is a clear litmus test that this is somebody who's aware of purism, and what we're doing. Therefore, they understand why we exist. But I think a big, another piece is even if we do hire from outside, let's say if we, you know, uh, in, in case of a position that might be outside the core, right? Let's say a finance uh, position or a marketing position, right? In those cases, we can uh, write applications uh, for outside hiring. Uh, but when we you know, get in the applicants, which are still many, then we can narrow that down based off of philosophy because we always lead with why we do what we're doing. And so this is a, a great uh, talk from an individual named Simon Sinek that uh, clearly defines kind of why purism is seeing the growth that we are. And the whole thing is, as he breaks it down, is a lot of companies know what they do. Few companies know how they do it, and very, very few companies know why they do it. And if you know why you're doing something, then what you're doing is you get everybody on your team in the same boat and saying, we're rowing right across the ocean to that continent, and that's you know what we're doing. That's our goal. Why we're doing it is because it's an important you know, social movement that we need to change in society. So everybody who gets in the boat knows why you're doing what you're doing. And in that case, we have a team that all cares about this. And this doesn't mean that we'd had to educate them. A lot of our team, the majority of our team already knows of these issues, right? We're not trying to break new ground necessarily with the most of the hires. And then the few that are outside understand that, hey, this is the boat you're getting in. Are you interested? And that's sort of a great hiring <clears throat> criteria we have. And so in the end, we have a, a significant size team and that's continuing to grow very rapidly. Uh, and part of that is trying to enshrine the policies, right? Make sure, you know, that everybody knows why we're doing what we're doing. 
That's interesting. I mean, because uh, a Monero itself, I mean, while it's certainly not a company, um, I think it's it's one of its uh, things it has going for it is uh, this cohesive community where everybody that kind of joins it. If you, if you come in to like kind of just come in and speculate, you're you're quickly um, made an outsider. Uh, you know, speculators not really wanted. Granted, mm-hmm. they come in, but you know, you're 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 told, you know, don't don't buy Monero because it may be worth more tomorrow. Buy it because you need to use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and all these other things of uh, the community itself is kind of self-skeptical. Um, mm-hmm. And we always promote that. And then just obviously privacy mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. And I think Monero's done a really great job in making that, uh, you know, a cohesive part of the community. Whereas other coins have kind of lost their way. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, that's exactly. And, and it doesn't have to be exactly, you're exactly right. It does not have to be a company because this can be looked back on any movement of the past, right? Right. That if you have a reason why you want to participate in that movement, then that ends up carrying with it a lot of, a lot. I mean, it's, a, it's actually the only way that really things end up making a change. Okay. Is that, uh, so in the case of Monero, where you can say, do you care about, where you're, you can have uh, payments that can be anonymous, right? Do you want to make sure that your privacy is actually respected in purchasing, right? These are things that are fundamental to civil liberties, right? So if you uh, tap into, and, and I believe you guys have done a really good job, and this is one of the reasons why in the crypto world, we have one partner, right? That we've actually looked at, hey, we will work with you, right? Which is Monero. Uh, because the long-term game that we're playing Right. I mean, Purism's not looking to do any type of sprint or exit. Right. We're looking to change the future for the better. Part of that is to say, what does that convenience look like when we're talking about digital devices and digital currencies? Do I want my currency? Do I, you know, do I want to have it where I have to use Apple Pay or Samsung Pay or Android Pay at these, you know, point of sale devices for purchasing anything in the real world? Um, and my answer is no, I don't. So how do we, how do we change that in the future? And that's a big part of what we're looking to do with Monero in the future. Yeah. I think that that was when, when I saw you guys, you know, post that, um, that blog post, I guess it was about a year ago. Uh, that's, that made me, made me really excited. Cause you guys, obviously you're, you know, uh, for all the reasons you're talking about um, and wanting to maintain your, you know, maintain your brand and the things you care about, you obviously, I, I guess you didn't take that decision lightly. I mean, you chose Monero uh, because you think it's living up to these things. So what what is it about Monero and why Monero? Why not some other cryptocurrency? Um, what What is it about Monero that you guys like? Well, there's a lot of things, but I'll just highlight a, a couple of them. So the first, of course, is that you're defaulting to protection, right? And so that means that you don't have to like opt in to then have an exception towards protection. You're basically saying cash is fine, right? And so let's just have everybody default to this non-tracking state. Uh, and that's a, a big advantage. Um, of course, one of the litmus tests we have for anything is that it has to be for license under a free software foundation approved license and Monero is. So that means that your software itself can also be reproducibly built. It can be a, you know, trust us, but Hey, you can also go verify model. 
So that means that's two significant wins for uh, the civil liberties of society, right? So it means you're respecting their freedom, which is the software license, and you're now respecting the privacy, which means that you have, you know, two of these three pieces that are really important. And then the third you also have, which is a security aspect, which means, of course, that's the reproducible build verification process that gets added in there, meaning it's not phoning home. There's not a third party tracker who's saying, hey, who is the person behind this detail, right? Uh, and that ends up being getting, you know, when I was talking about this whole gamification process of applications getting in Peer Store, right? Monero can check all the boxes because of its reason why it exists. But then there's some additional pieces on top of that, such as uh, when we initially spoke with the Monero members of the Monero team, if that's what you call it, members of the Monero community, maybe. Uh, and then we we saw that our long-term vision aligned with their long-term vision as well. And so then that's sort of this third piece of saying, oh, great, now we know we can all work together. And I'll just uh, use this time as the platform to describe that longer-term vision which is, you can imagine, as I said, this convenience aspect, right? So imagine at some point in the future when you walk into a grocery store and you would like to use your phone to make a payment at their point of sale device. Well, what has to happen is, right, either Monero would have to convince all of the merchants to accept Monero, which is just not going to happen. I mean, uh, but there is a bridging opportunity, which means you can still use Monero at those point of sale devices. And what that would look like is that you can walk up with your phone, in this case, a Librem 5 phone that has near field communication chips on it. The entire software stack is liberated and freed and you're running a Monero client on that device. But then part of that whole system can actually be where you say they ring up your total and it's $34.23. Then you can type in 34.23 in your transfer wallet, which would then actually convert it to whatever the currency is that the merchant would take as cash payment. Uh, in this case, would be a temporary, let's say like Visa card, because those exist, right? Temp basically a temporary gift card. And then you can make a payment at that merchant. So then what you actually solve is the, the convenience aspect means that you can go pay with at any merchant who accepts uh, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, et cetera, because they have temporary cards you can generate. And then what you can have is you can carry around your bank that's backed by, you know, and you hold Monero. So in that case, what you're doing is you're making a Monero payment that gets transferred to what currency they want real time. And then you discard your temporary credit card number. So that means that it's also not identified. So then what you have is a really convenient process. Right? Because all that all that can be automated, as you can imagine. Or you can walk up and you can actually tap the NFC payment and it says 3423, and you say approve, yes. And then the you know, behind the scenes, a temporary credit card is generated, it transfers the number, your payment's made, it pulls it out of Monero wallet and adds it to the blockchain. Right. So that convenience means that th at that point, then Monero can be seen as wow, that that's the bank I'd like to use on my device, right? And then it can actually be used at a wide swath of the, and this also applies to online, right? I mean, you can just auto-generate something online. So that entire understanding where we're trying to get to in the long run by having decentralized user-controlled banking system, which is currency, and also having it where the device itself 
is completely under the user's control, then you also respect the individual's privacy. Uh, and that's the, you know, that's sort of the, the big picture of why we look to uh, advance this cause with Monero. And there's still a lot more work to do, obviously, but understanding the long-term vision allows us to increment our way there. Yeah, I mean, that that vision sounds amazing. I mean, uh, so a bit basically people at that point aren't sacrificing convenience like we talked about. Um, they're doing things like they already normally do. Uh, and, we're, and we're also not trying to disrupt. I mean, can you imagine getting merchants to all sign up on Monero? The, the amount of money that would take uh, because it, there's there's really only two ways to solve that, that problem, this, which just happens to be the same things that we're solving on like the app store size, right? Is that you have to uh, show momentum to then have adoption or you have to have billions of dollars to go in and you know, basically install brand new systems uh, and understanding of the entire uh, you know industry. I mean, the POS industry, like that just would be a nightmare. So instead, what we do is say, okay, we'll play by your rules, but we're just going, you know, we're going to start with the rules you have, and then we're just going to modify things to our needs, mm -hmm. which is all allowed and all completely possible. Um, and so right. in that case, then, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen, right? I'm not trying to discount how complicated it can end up being to solve the problems. But once we have those problems solved, uh, and we're on, you know, all of the things we're doing are aligning to solve that problem in the future. Then it gets to the point of that convenience. Yeah, the vision sounds amazing. Um, so what could we expect to initially see then on the Librem 5 in terms of Monero? Um, would it, is, it, is it just going to be kind of a wallet integrated into the phone? Or what? what is uh, step one? Yep, so the, the incremental steps are right, right now we're looking to have Monero client uh, added to PureOS, which means, of course, being also being added to Debian. Uh, that's been underway for a little while now. And that's mostly a maintenance aspect of, you know, getting make sure the code is uh, using the right libraries and can build from the existing system, et cetera. Uh, and then next step is, okay, can we end up having a nice uh, design of the client that can run uh, on the device itself? So it can be a hardware wallet. I mean, all the tokens and everything else we're adding to the actual hardware, it can be that way. So it'll actually be the ultimate crypto hardware wallet, not even Monero specific. But then we can, uh, by having the Monero client as a first-class citizen within PureOS is a really important step because then it means it's fully integrated. It's not just the separate thing that you go download and install. And that fully integrated piece means it can become the default. By becoming the default, def very, very powerful from convenience. And so then you can imagine that somebody who wants to get into crypto, uh, we can say, hey, you know, buy a Librem 5 and we'll set you up with a small crypto wallet for Monero. Here's the integrated, you know, client, and this is how it works. Then we can start just educating. Then the next piece of beyond that, of course, is how do you actually, you know, uh, auto generate basically a temporary, let's say traditional payment of credit card. Uh, so then you can use that online or use it as a merchant. Our device will have NFC capabilities. Uh, and so then it, it, once the, we code all the NFC pieces, then at that point you can say, oh good, now we have all the parts that make it where you can actually make a payment by just tapping or being near the POS device. And uh, and then, you know, at that point you have all the, all the pieces necessary. So that's kind of the incremental steps to get there. And as you can imagine, that's, you know, that's 
a multi-year effort, right? We're not talking about 2019. You're going to be able to do that. Right. Uh, when the phone comes out, what could we expect to at least uh, use it as a hardware wallet at mm -hmm. that point? Or mm -hmm. yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Day one, it'll be it will be. I imagine within the crypto hardware wallet world, it will be seen as the ultimate crypto hardware wallet because it's not just this extra thing that you uh, can't verify. Right, ours you'll be able to verify. And, that's a, that's and, amazing. Yeah, and then, uh, but then the you know we're being able to run the client software is sort of the next step, and that's one of the reasons we're working to get Monero in PureOS proper, um, and that's still you know some undertaking. We got to work with uh, a few more of the community members to to step up and you know add a few uh, bits for making it compile with using the existing libraries that are current in Debian testing, etc. But there's you know those are all things that that I'm sure we'll be able to get to. Who are you guys working with on the Monero side? Is it um, the guys that are building the GUI? Is it the Monero, the the uh, Android wallet guys? Is it well? So we we primary our primary contact is uh, Diego, and then we uh, and then you know he sort of spins out and brings in whatever whoever is needed. Um, so it's a you know, um, uh, and that seems to work okay, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, anytime we have a question, we we get we seem to get to the answer. I think the area that would be nice to see is uh, is having a, a wider amount of the community knowing what our goals are, because then they can say, oh, wow, that's, you know, I'd like to be involved in that. And then sort of asking how to be involved as opposed to us trying to like push the agenda and mm -hmm. saying, hey, you know, who can help us with this piece? Um, and I think then what you'd see is the Librem 5, it'd be awesome to have on the day of the Librem 5 launch and we're shipping these to people, is that it already has the Librem 5 client there, right? There's none of that's being worked on right now. And that needs to come from the Monero community. We would be involved in sort of helping the design aspect and maybe helping the how does the application get involved. But you know we can't be investing in uh, in modifying Monero code. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What we're doing right now is we're providing the advice to say how do we get it in Pure OS, right? Providing the advice to say how do we what would we like to see on the Libra Five side. So if there's anybody you know listening and wants to step up and see Monero be a first class citizen on a phone. By default, that'd be you know that we'd more than be more than happy to uh, have a discussion with that person. That is that is very exciting. I'm per, you know I will I'll do all I can on my on my side to uh, keep spreading that message. I mean because that's that's kind of the dream. I mean yeah. one of the things I heard to uh, uh, Trace May I brought this up on the last show, but I was Trace Mayer is a big purism fan, and he was talking about how. Uh, even on the laptop, it's kind of you know the ultimate hardware wallet, right? Uh, I guess if you run uh, what's his thing, Armory on on Purism, uh, and his point being that um, you know hardware wallets kind of make you a target, right? Because if you have a hardware wallet, then you're obviously storing crypto on it. Whereas if you have a Librem Five phone, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a de facto Monero wallet with you know it's it's you may just have a, a Librem Five iPhone, so it doesn't necessarily Correct. make you target. So I, I do like that that idea. That's that's an interesting way of looking at it. And then also just kind of long term, I think just we're kind of in the the iPod stage. So it's like you had your iPod and then you had your your phone, and they slowly became one. Um, I just I just I can't really imagine a world, a future where everybody's going to have a phone and then also have their kind of hardware wallet on the side. It really makes sense for those things to kind of blend into one, I think. Um, no, that's right. The, the, the area uh, you're, so you're right in that statement. 
the problem of course is it, it's <laughs> the phone world it's a duopoly so right now the phones that anybody has is going to be either android or ios or some if you are you know really getting into it it could be some derivative of android but in the end it's android based or ios and so the issue around hardware wallets is that um that's as a base platform those are nightmares right like I can be, you, you wouldn't want to put your hardware wallet on an android based phone or an ios based phone right mm -hmm. and so uh so what you have to have is the complete stack freed and so therefore to look at it you, you one of the advantages we have is that you can verify the whole process and it can become the combined hardware wallet and phone uh and so it's an important asterisk that you're describing. It's not like, hey, I'm going to have my camera also be my phone, right? This is actually saying, where is it you want your bank right? and all your financial connections? So in that case, there's a giant amount of trust that you have to put. And then in our case, it's saying, hey, you know, this could be my phone and my hardware wallet uh, combined into one. Uh, and it's a device you carry around with you. The other thing that we've also advanced, which is going to sort of blow people's minds, <clears throat> is what we call the Librem key. And that actually allows you to verify, cryptographically verify, your device has not been tampered with, right? And so in that case, you can also use it as, uh, let's say if you're or you want to unlock your hardware wallet, you can actually have a separate Librem key, which is a USB secure token. And you can insert it in your Librem 5 phone to say, this is me, and this is my phone, and the phone has to authenticate to me, it hasn't been tampered with. And then the only way you are willing to unlock your hardware wallet is by inserting this key. And then that means that your actual, if you can imagine, the hardware wallet is locked on the device, but it can only be unlocked by the separate key that you have, right? Makes because so that's the sense. thing that holds your keys. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and that's, we already have that on our laptops with our Librem key plus uh, heads plus core boot, which means it can cryptographically verify the first bit loaded against the trusted platform module and say that device has not been tampered with. So once you freeze it in a known good state, a single bit change flags you that it's been tampered with, right? That's never been done before. I mean, it's, it's an epic advancement. It's taken 15 years for the industry to even, you know, try to do anything with it, and but they have always failed and we're the first to execute on it. Uh, the same will be applied for the Librem 5 phone, which means you can carry your key around with you on a keychain. And then you have your phone. And when you want to unlock your funds, you can insert the key, unlock your funds, and then you can use them. Right? That's a very, very strong security story. I, I mean, stronger than anything. I mean, by two orders of magnitude, it's a, such a significant advancement. And so then you can start to see that, you know, it's it's not just about a hardware wallet that, like, you know, is combined with your phone. It's actually this overall security story that applies the same way it would in the physical world, but you're carrying around your bank with you. When is the phone coming out? Uh, it's the phone is shipping in April, twenty nineteen. Oh, wow. The dev kits that we have, which are basically uh, kind of like an open face sandwich phone, <laughs> and so that's uh, those are shipping in December. To uh, you know, which we we already sold out, um, but those are about three hundred and fifty units that are going out to active developers. Some of which are going to be working on, you know, uh, Monero and and crypto and crypto hardware wallets, et cetera, because it's a big area to, to prove out that's, you know, its strength. 
So people can pre-order the phones today. They've been, I mean, obviously they've been able to pre-order for quite some time. That's yes. great. So are, are there going to be more announcements going forward as we get closer to the release? Because yes. I know the Monero community, I mean, is is eating this up right now. This is yeah. just yeah. So everything you're saying is just amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's very, very exciting. O- overall, you can imagine, right, when we're talking about uh, this overall digital civil rights movement, right, and this is rooted in civil liberties. Monero is part of this civil liberties movement uh, from a privacy of currency standpoint, right? And so what we have as Purism right now is we have our hardware, which is the Librem line. We have our operating system, which is Pure OS, and that's uh, Free Software Foundation endorsed. So it's a significant level of, of trust put in that operating system. And then we have uh, Pure Store, which is starting to get more and more applications written around the Librem 5 phone. And that's an area that I'd like to see some more Monero effort toward. And then we have this fourth area that I described early in the call, which is called Liberty. Now that is going to be a bundle of services that follow the same logic of Monero, which is decentralized, full encryption, users controlled, no logging. And these are designed to compete against the tech giants services. So that being email, social, right? Cloud storage, VPN, uh, video chat, voice chat, all bundled under one name of Liberty. And the whole point of that is the convenience aspect. You can imagine, right? Then you can walk up to a friend of yours and say, you know, here's a Librem 5 phone, create a Liberty account, which can of course also be decentralized. So you can host it yourself if you want to. And they can create that account. And then at that point, their phone, right? They would be able to call, chat, video call, email, uh, have Monero as a backend for the, you know, that all of it can be bundled under one device. And that convenience means that then an individual who doesn't need to know all the complexities of what code is, right? What does that look like? They, they can just participate where their digital rights are completely respected because the entire software stack services, applications, and everything are designed with this overall uh, digital civil rights movement in mind, right? That's the power of being able to actually influence change. And we have an erosion of trust already in society of big tech, right? People, and they might not be able to pinpoint exactly why they dislike, right, the tech giants, but they all dislike them in some way or another. And what we keep doing is we keep advancing, saying, hey, we're an alternative and we are advancing social good. Mm-hmm. And people continue to look at us and, and that's a growing a growing message. And so that's why it's it's, you know, by being able to compete across all of those pieces that I just described to you, then that means that we can just simply hand a device to somebody and they can participate in an ethical society. Yeah, you're, you're making privacy and security convenient. And- exactly. And, and, and it's, I mean, what's also amazing about this, right, this is, is that uh, there, there's been really two paths that have been talked about before, right? Uh, and I'm clearly in the camp of advancing technologies that are morally based, and so let me be clear about that is, you know, I don't want people to go live in a yurt, right? That's not the goal. Like go pay with cash, live in a yurt. That's not going to solve the problem because technology has the ability to be more convenient when it conforms to ethics, such as standards, decentralization. Those things are really, really powerful and actually can be more powerful than creating, uh, you know, all these different, you know, walled worlds. So I'll give you an example as an analogy that kind of brings that point home. 
is that right now, if you were to go walk up to a, somebody and you said, hey, how should I contact you? What are all your contact points, right? And they could give you an address. They could give you an email. They can give you a Skype ID. They can give you a FaceTime ID. They can give you a Google Hangouts ID, right? They can give you all these this junk, right? And uh, And all of those are separate proprietary worlds that you have to participate in, well, with the exception of email. And so what we're doing with Liberty is we're actually centralizing the brand so people can just point to something very easy because centralized brand is actually important, but it has to be decentralized services. So then you can, you know, you can communicate. I can communicate from Liberty to somebody on Matrix and I can communicate. And so you have this interoperability. That is the power of what we get with the future. So in, then you can say, how would you like to reach me? And I can say, ping me at Todd at Liberty One. And then it's like, oh, cool. And then I know I can call you, email you, chat with you, video call you, you know, send you money, whatever the case may be, to that one account. That's actually more convenient, right? So in the case mm -hmm. of saying that you know, overall, our technological genius is not lacking, right? Our moral genius is what's lacking. And mm -hmm. so we can advance our technological genius with morals and we can actually create a, a better and more convenient world. And that's mm -hmm. the power of what we're, what we're looking to do. And that's, that's, what's amazing about crypto too, right? It's, it's also this game theory thing. Cause, uh, basically, you know, uh, it's, it's created a situation where greed is generating, uh, decentralization. Um, right. So it's, it's being bootstrapped by greed. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that believe in it, uh, but it, you know, what's really, what really is driving people to go out and, 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 and throw their life savings into these crypto coins, which I don't recommend you do, but you know, what really drives people at the end of the day is, is, you know, things like, you know, my money might be worth more if I do this. And that's, what's, one of the beautiful components of, of Bitcoin and Monero is that that's built into the system. And at the end of the day, this greed will, you know, it's kind of this engine that's run by greed, but the end result is uh, a more decentralized future as people dump their money into this, hoping it's worth more in the future. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I love the way that now that's kind of merging with what you guys are doing with, you know, Monero hard wallet on your phone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully that will be one of the motivating factors too, as to why people will, will buy the Librum and get into purism. Mm -hmm. um, both of those things working together. Yeah. Uh, a, a big, a big part of making change is understanding uh, momentum. And so being able to create an overall movement that has momentum, because then, I mean, you can imagine, uh, let's say if you look at a journalist who would be skeptical of like, what's the next thing coming and what should they write about? Or a person who's looking at what product they should be buying because they're like, you know, well, is that something I'd be interested in? If they understand the reason why, and they say, oh, wow, okay. There's also this giant movement where, oh, there's a new application being written on a phone every, you know, couple weeks, uh, then they start to see, oh, wow, there's a movement. Then the other piece is like, oh, there's more people using Monero or putting money into Monero. Uh, and, oh, there's more people. I think the big piece is not seeing it as a, you know, day trading investment vehicle, but actually saying, oh, no, I actually use it, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's like, oh, I'm holding that as my wallet. I'm also using that as funds. And then I, when I get paid, I deposit it into Monero and that becomes my bank, right? The, that type of thing creates this appearance of 
of movement, and then it can actually be measured, and that becomes the proof of the movement. And then that proof of the movement says, you know, where a journalist or a person can look at that and say, that's what we should be writing about because that's where the trends are going. Mm-hmm. And then a person can say, oh, that's what we should be using because that's growing in momentum. And it's rooted in values that that they as an individual care about, right? Mm-hmm. Which is liberties. Mm-hmm. So then look at that. I can actually not use a big bank that they might not trust or big tech that they certainly don't trust and actually go with something that is rooted in their values. And that's the biggest piece that we're going to see as the the growth going forward, as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, just, just seeing uh, cash because that's only going to get investors in, right? As uh, cash growth, excuse me, as opposed to like, oh, wait, this is actually something that I c- should use. And this is a, a way in which the future is going to be, uh, you know, uh, digitized. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be the power of growth. Yes. Yep. No, it has, uh, it has purpose. And that's what will keep people going. But yeah, but, but the greed component, you know what I mean? Is that, you know, at the same day, you, same time, you look at your phone, uh, your, your, your Librem 5 phone, and maybe you have Monero on it. And uh, a year, uh, you know, a year later, it's worth more than it was and mm-hmm. showing the, the power of decentralization and sound money. Mm-hmm. And that, that motivates people. Oh, I mean, absolutely <laughs> does. And so it's, yeah. especially if people are, you know, when you make it that convenient and then when right. you're handing somebody a phone, and then they can just say, I'll, oh, I'll pay you in Monero. And right, and then it ends up creating this uh, overall, as it's called, the snowball effect, right? But it, it has to be convenient. It has to be able to be where you don't have to spend three weeks trying to get somebody set up on how to transfer money from one to the other and how do they open up their wallet and how is your, it, it needs to be really, really convenient. Um, and that's the, th- that is to solve the convenience piece in the way that this dystopian digital world is today, we need to make sure we're investing the time and energy to make convenient products in the future, because that's the, the only way that we'll actually be able to, uh, to start dominating the market uh, as this overall, you know, society's movement for the better because, because, you know, technology, of 10 years ago was, you know, it was always like, okay, get your hardware. You have to set up things. It's like, go, you can go down to your software. You had choices, right? Now there's a cryptographic bond between the big tech and their hardware. And that cryptographic bond is growing to how much control they have over the device, right? You can't go install an application on your phone unless you have an account, right? I mean, as an example of this call, we, I couldn't have a call with you uh, unless I signed up for a, a Google account that I don't have. Right. That's those are things that are not helpful. They actually just drive people more and more to big tech because of the convenience. And so mm-hmm. what we need to do is 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 the first is, of course, as the core stand up for those issues. Then the second piece is, well, let's actually create convenient products that undo that because that's right. a problem. And yeah, society, you're, turning, you're turning those into pain points like they become right. pain points where it's that's right. more convenient to use the Librem or, you that's know, right. We, we, right. Without having to create account. Yeah, no, I think. Yeah. Uh, you're certainly on to something. I'm extremely impressed by how far you guys have already taken it. Um, anything the Monero community can do, obviously I don't represent them, but I, I hope they're listening to this and uh, they're as excited as I am. 
And I hope, you know, if you can come on Reddit, post any, you know, any updates so we could, the more interaction you have with the community, I know it's, it's really up to us to kind of meet you halfway and help in developing some of those things you're talking about. But uh, the more information you give out, I'm sure the more excited everybody will be and the more participation you'll see. Um, everybody's looking for projects like these. They understand what you guys are doing and just can't wait to have this running on their Librem yeah. five phones. Yeah, right. No, it's, it certainly is an exciting area, and and we uh, will. I'll, I'll take note to say if we're not reaching out in the areas that we should be, that we'll continue, that we'll look to do that. Uh, and then you know, a big piece is going to be seeing. You know, we we sort of have had a little bit of things on uh, the back burner, right? Just trying to advance to get Monero inside Pure OS is sort of the you know bubbling behind the scenes. But once we have those dev kits out, and that big piece of our focus is to behind us, and then we're looking to focus on the phone itself. I think then if we, if the Monero community or anybody listening wanted to join the Purism's matrix channel, which you could easily find from our website and the developer documentations, we have a website developer.puri.sm. There you can see about developing applications in there. It also talks about the community around the Librem 5. If any of the uh, community members within Monero wanted to look at saying, hey, I'd like to create, I'd like to help create that application for the Librem 5. Join that community and start asking those questions and we'll steer you in the right direction. Uh, and then we can start to actually formalize what that process is going to look like. And then the whole point of that is that when you can imagine if we can, if we can align those pieces and we can actually have people where, let's say as part of the purchase of their phone, they could add some uh, Monero cash, and then we can have that part of the. So, so as soon as they get it, this just like built in, and they already have their cash. Oh wow! Right? Added, yeah. right. So then that convenience of purchase is like, oh, they can and they can buy. They, you can buy your Libra Five in Monero, right? You can also buy it in Bitcoin. You can buy it in cash or credit card or even payment system, right? But having all those pieces in there that they could just maybe add a initial deposit that they want to see how it works, and then they get the device, and it's all built in. Right, that's really convenient. And so that's the type of stuff we'd like to see with with regard to the Monero, uh, you know, what this overall crypto wallet would look like on the Libra 5 device. This sense, I'm, I'm loving everything you're saying. And it's it's definitely something that's where Monero is, is you know, is lacking, if anything, is, is, is in having this bridge from uh, being, you know, the most private and, you know, I think secure crypto mm -hmm. to that convenient you know having the convenience um we're getting there with other means too you know there's we we do have app, you know standard mobile apps now but uh what you're describing sounds kind of like uh you know the, the perfect uh combination of everything coming together um, well, the other thing that's really great about that is then you can see that you can actually leapfrog the overall like compare a lot of the other crypto and where they're at Right. If you can actually leapfrog and make it so it's like, oh, we're we're not just having an application on your device, which you need, of course, right, to compete. But uh, you can have it where it's so convenient that you're actually, in, you know, you're instilled in the entire process of saying, oh, wow, it's really it's really easy to purchase Monero. It's really easy to transfer it. It's really easy to use it in the future at like you know point of sale. Th those are things that. Uh, you know, are, are looking if you those are things of looking that far forward and then incrementing to get there and a big piece of that is going to be uh, uh you know if, if we can end up having it where a person can purchase a phone and then just add crypto 
to it, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. that makes it really convenient because then they see like, oh wow, I I'm already breaking out my wallet and I'm already making a payment for something, and I can just add this other piece in there. And then it also educates them on the process, and that education is something that right now is a big challenge for a lot of crypto. This is awesome. Before we close out, though, could I just get? Do you have any comment on kind of like Monero versus Bitcoin and the landscape? I mean, there's there's always a lot of talk about uh, where the, you know the future of Monero versus the future of Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. do you have an opinion on that? On how you see things evolving? Well, I mean, sure, I do, but I don't know that it's you know it should probably be taken with less value of all the other things I talked about. Of um, but it's uh, the the thing for me that makes a lot of sense, right? Because I'm I'm generally a crypto skeptic, right? So it takes a lot to convince me to do much of anything in that space. And I should say more about blockchain skeptic for sure, right? Um, it, it should only be used in very few instances where public ledger is required, mm-hmm. right? such as like voting or public finance or in the case of crypto. Uh, but the thing that really drew me to Monero specifically, as opposed to really everything else that's out there is because it defaults to civil liberties. So what that means is that if you participate in Monero, you are participating in a movement of civil liberties, right? You don't, it's not like an opt in to civil liberties. It's not, you know, such as an opt in to a private transaction, Mm -hmm. right? It means all people participate at a base level that is values. We all agree on, right? Freedoms. We all agree on, right? Privacy. We all agree on. And so, uh, doesn't matter, you know, there's no, there's no party associated to it. It's just like, that's just base human rights. And so uh, Monero aligns with that, which means comparing that to any currency that doesn't have that base value is less valuable to me, i.e., you know, as your example, Bitcoin or a bunch of the others that have an opt-in for privacy. And so, um, so to me, you know, uh, that's, you know, why Monero is the, happens to be the only crypto I carry and use uh, and um, will probably be in for as long as I can imagine, unless something else steps in as, a, as an alternative uh, that has the same core values. Sounds good. Yeah, it's 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 baked into the protocol, and uh, right. as we were talking about, it's it's not only that; it's also the it's kind of the the community has agreed that it that this is the the most important thing is to keep keep it private and fungible and censorship resistant, and to evolve the tech as needed to maintain that on a core That's protocol right. level. That's right. No, and 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 being rooted in those values uh, means that it can. Uh, it's a giant differentiator, right? It's a systemic change. And, and I care about systemic changes, right? I look to solve root problems or solve systemic issues. And so for me, as you boil these down, you see like, oh, well, Monero solves all of these systemic issues with regard, and that becomes a giant differentiator. It's really hard for other protocols or other crypto to compete when you're when you're like, you know, many levels below right? As you're describing this at the protocol level. So you can't solve that at the application level and think that, oh yeah, all things are good. And this is exactly aligned with what Purism is doing on the hardware side and the software side, right? It's like, you have to go all the way to the root level and solve Mm -hmm. the systemic issue, which, you know, so on the business structure standpoint, we've done that by creating a social purpose company, operating system by releasing all the source code and, you know, hardware level by releasing the schematics 
of the phone and the you know being able to to confirm and verify all that and then having the full software stack freed all of the, all of those things relate around civil liberties freedoms and privacies the same exact philosophy was applied to monero which is why it's just a natural fit beautiful so it is black friday today in the us do you guys have any deals going on for yeah, we do, actually. products we have that are 20% off a base unit sale uh, right now so even um, for the phones as well if you wanted no, to the, the, the phone is an exception to that so it's 20% okay. off of everything except the phone because the phone is already discounted the phone okay. price is going to raise probably at the year end so right now the phone is $599 year end is probably going to go up to, you know, at least adding a hundred bucks on top of that. The 20% off sales all for the existing shipping products, which are all the uh, laptop line. Beautiful. All right. Well, anyone listening, I, I, you know, everything we, we stressed, uh, you know, check out Purism. If you don't know about it already, I'm sure you do. If you're, uh, uh if you're somebody that frequents the Monero, uh, Reddit and you're part of the community and, uh, just, Please, if we could give purism as much support as possible, I, I totally advocate that. Um, I, it was a real pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for taking the time. Sorry for having sure. to put up with uh, my the Google accounts issue. Uh, we're we not got, we there, we're not there yet. Maybe in a few years when we all have our you know Librem five phones. Um, <laughs> really appreciate it, and uh, I'm really excited for you guys. I think you guys are doing uh, great work over there. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Yep, I'll talk to you. Thank you. That's it. Mm-hmm.